This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. They tried to make me go to rehab, I said no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, no, no, no. I ain't got the time, and if my daddy thinks I'm fine, they tried to make me go to rehab, I won't go, go, go. Good evening and welcome to Hooked. Joy 94.9's program about addiction. Research shows that the LGBTI community has addiction problems of at least twice that of the general population, and we want to explore why and how this has come about. There are many suffering addiction, many more that are affected by those in active addiction, and people that are grateful in recovery. My name is David. G'day, my name's Russ. And, you know, what are some of the reasons behind this uh, problem? Are there pathways towards recovery and change? David, how does addiction affect loved ones, family members and other partners of those in active addiction? You know, you and I aren't experts. We're just a couple of mates who both happen to be in recovery together. But we believe there is a need to start the conversation in our community, the GLBTI yes, community. There certainly does need to be a, commu- a conversation. And if you'd like to join us in that conversation, you can SMS us on 0427-JOY949. That's 0427-569-949. Or email us at onair at joy.org.au or hooked at joy.org.au. Now, listen in, David, before we go to news, who's on the show tonight? Well, I was about to say, if you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program oh, raises that. issues that cause distress, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36. Well, I don't know. Who, who do we have tonight? Well, let's let, top of the show. Who's going to be our guest tonight? And then we'll go to news. It let me know. Jam, let it me know. It is a jam-packed show. We're going to be talking about nicotine very soon. Oh, yes. Uh, with Dr. Sarah White. She's the uh, Quit Victoria director. Ooh. And we're going to be talking, of course, to Ali Maffey. And he's a pharmacist. A lot of people that are listening in tonight would actually know him because he specialises in sexual health medication. And he's from Commercial Road Pharmacy, uh, very close to Pran Medical clinic so uh without you know a worrying about outstanding guests well, i course. will say yes well done but you've got some news tonight okay so weekly news i um have read a couple of interesting articles about recovery this week tell me about them uh, the one one of interest is i have been to bali i know a lot of people will have been mm-hmm. to bali and and quite often you are asked by people down the street would you like some cialis or some you know viagra men mainly i would imagine yeah and um of course you know we buy those and we think nothing of it but there are other things that they can sell and they do sell yeah um, um, and some of those would be, you know, OxyContin and Xanax and Rowies and things like that, which you can buy very, very cheaply off the street in Bali. Now, the um, the authorities in Bali um, are currently cracking down on that and they have decided that enough is enough. So if you are a, a Bali traveller and, and you do um, get asked to buy one of these things and you're silly enough to do so, um, the authorities and the police are onto this at the moment. So don't end up being a, um, a Ms Corby. Just mm-hmm. watch yourself there and make sure that you... Don't um, bring your boogie bag full of all of those prescription No, because you're, you're going to get in trub. I say lots of trouble. I was trouble. actually listening to the Glow Show 
Glasgow and oh, one of the traffic cops was talking oh, about good. how she pulled yeah. somebody up and they'd uh, bought some Viagra in Bali and it was actually, it was crystal meth. And they were pulled up, drug tested oh. and of course they came back positive and lost their licence. Well, I'm wondering why they're feeling so good. but I, Well, don't do that in Bali anymore. No. I did do that once um, and, and, and got on a scooter. I took a, a Cialis and took on a scooter and I tell you what, there was certainly... A bumpy ride? Well, well the, <laughs> the, the driver of the scooter certainly knew which which side of the um, fence I was on. Yeah. Anyway, moving right along, um, and the, uh, another article that I read this week in um, in recovery was uh, how overloaded our public health system he- here is in Australia mm-hmm. with regards to drug and alcohol. Uh, it's grossly underfunded, as as are many health departments, and at this stage it is estimated quite conservatively that between 200,000 and 500,000 um, Australians are currently waiting to um, get treatment for um, addiction, which is a huge amount of people. That is a lot. So uh, having read that, um, I, they, they did basically tell people who, who wanted to get away from the the public system. Um, there's a list of things that you yourself can do by going and asking for help. You can go to your GP or right. you can go and see a, a counsellor. But these are the places that you can go if you're waiting um, for um, um, the public health system for recovery and rehab, you can go to these places. So one is a residential live-in mm-hmm. rehab and your um, G- GP can certainly get you in touch with one of those and that's where you would go and live and have a very intensive recovery over sure. three months to six months. There's day rehab where you would live at home so you would you would live at home but you'd still go in and do rehab four or five days a week where you would travel into um, uh, a, a hospital where you would sit down with others and do your recovery there's outpatient treatment. Outpatient treatment very loosely would be you might go and see a counsellor and a psychiatrist and they would give you information on how you would uh, stop taking the drugs or the mm-hmm. alcohol that you're consuming. The, uh, the last two are... are um, probably equally as well known. There's 12-step programs, so that would be uh, your Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous everything your, else. Um, yep. NA, you, you name it, it's out there. And lastly, um, we had a, a, a fantastic guest on here a few weeks ago, which was um, Jack Nagel. Jack Nagel, I was about to mention him. And he's got this amazing online um, recovery program called Real Drug Talk, where you actually go online and you talk to people just like you. Because you were saying to Jack at the time, uh, there are people that feel that there's a st- stigma about trying to get recovery. Of course, I was very sceptical about are, this, remember? Yeah, yeah but yeah. people that are uh, obviously high-achieving addicts uh, that have, you know, big high-powered jobs and they can't go, oh, look, you know, I'll just take six months off and go to rehab or three months or even six weeks or even one week yeah. and this is another resource. So it's good to hear about that. So really what we're saying is, in essence, we're, we're, we're not saying that you need to be stuck on the um, the public system merry-go-round, mm-hmm. that there are ways of getting in and getting um, into recovery and getting well sooner. You've just got to ask. That's true. Hey, I think it's time for Addiction of the Week. It never gets old. It never gets old. It is a time for addiction of the week. And this week's addiction of the week is nicotine. And tonight we have Quit Victoria director Dr. Sarah White on the line. Hello, Sarah. Hello, David. How are you? You've been waiting patiently as we bang on about uh, all sorts of news (laughs) and things. But look, it is a great. I have, but what a great fanfare to come on to. (laughs) Thank you. Do you like it? 
You're equally as important to us, Sarah. I know. Look, uh, I've got a little intro here and I've lifted it off your website. Usually if you smoke more than 10 cigarettes a day or have a cigarette in the first half hour after waking up, you have a nicotine addiction that is significant enough to give you some real trouble when quitting. If you're addicted to nicotine, you'll get nicotine withdrawal when you quit and that withdrawal symptoms start within hours of your last cigarette. Now, tell us about addiction rates of nicotine in the LGBTIQ community. Well, what we do know about the smoking rates in the community are that they're up to three times higher than the general population. So when you think about um, smoking being the single leading cause of preventable death and disease, that's, that's a real concern. So would it, would it be correct to say is that, that, that is that the old the pink dollar thing where we've got disposable incomes and 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 we can go and buy cigarettes? I mean, I, I don't even know how much a, um, a packet of smokes costs these days. Is it twenty five, thirty dollars, or more? Uh, it's actually more. It's getting up to a good dollar a stick. But every time the tax goes up, the tobacco industry brings in cheaper and cheaper brands. So uh. they're trying to ameliorate the effect. And look, we we don't really know why the rates are higher. We've Quit's actually done some focus tests and some focus groups looking at this, and it's just not entirely clear. We thought at first it might have been around minority stress, um, issues like that, but it could just be good old social norms. Everyone uh, in my group does it, yes. and therefore I will too. So well, it was like that in the 80s. I can remember yeah, having so a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other. So. Like a segment of a population that's more affected by it. I mean, we have explored some of the reasons behind higher rates of addiction, such as things to do with coming out experiences or also to do with discrimination. And I don't know whether cigarettes or nicotine actually does tie back in with that. So uh, it would be interesting to find out. Maybe some further research needs to be done on that. But what is QUIT doing to help address this as far as the LGBTI community is concerned. Well, what we've been doing, we've actually partnered with Thorn Harbour Health and Minus 18 to start a conversation, just like the conversation we're having now, mm-hmm. uh, to, to sort of try and learn from the community. You know, we know about smoking, but we don't know what the pressures are on the community. So we want to hear about it, learn from, from the community and try to develop some of these tailored initiatives that might help reduce the smoking rates. Some really simple and practical things we're doing, we've worked with our quitline staff, to make sure that anyone from the LGBTI community who calls is going to get feel very safe and confident calling us and talking to us about the issues. And just recently, we've also partnered with the Melbourne Queer Film Festival um, to see if to develop a film competition and see if we can get the community or filmmakers in the community telling us what they see is important. Now, I want to talk about that again in a moment, but um, as far as, you know, like if I go onto the Quit website, there's all sorts of different strategies. So is am I right to say that it's more of a multi sort of approach these days where you'd be looking at different ways? You, you wouldn't just say, oh, look, I'm going to slap on nicotine patches or I'm just going to go to the doctor and get uh, one of the drugs that helps you stop. Like there's a multi sort of layered type of approach as far as quitting smoking is concerned. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, yes, the nicotine patches and the gum, and we usually say use patches plus an intermittent form, like an oral form, together. Um, They'll do a part of it. They'll help ease those nicotine withdrawal cravings that you were talking about. But we also know that you can double your chance of success if you call the quit line, which is a, a behavioural intervention service. So, basically, when people smoke, they smoke 10 or more cigarettes a day, there's all sorts of habits and rituals and emotions all tied up in having a cigarette. 
So part of the work that you have to do is to understand what your triggers are and work out how you're going to replace that, uh, replace the cigarettes you're having in response to a situation or an emotion. And that's exactly what Quit One does. They help you come up with your own plan to address your triggers. It sounds like a great idea to me. Look, I just know that when you're smoking, the things that would, would instantly come to mind, that you'd be um, skipping meals, um, you wouldn't um, necessarily be... Uh, you'd be using it for a, a stress at work thing. It's at a thing at work might become really stressful, so you're out the back having a cigarette. And basically what Quit would do would give you the um, the things that you need to make sure that you, you're not um, running off and having a ciggy every time you feel stressed, right? Yeah, exactly. So if the response is always to have that cigarette, it might be, well, in that situation, what could you do instead? What, what's actually going to be another strategy you can use instead of ducking outside to have a cigarette? And it, some things are so simple where people are really used to having a cigarette with their morning coffee. Simple things Uh like have your coffee in a different place, even have it out of a different mug, breaks that sort of conditioned behaviours and habits around having a cigarette which then helps break the addiction and get all together. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I, I own a business in Kew and I know there are two girls in our office that smoke and, and every day they regularly want to take the post to the post office and they want to um, walk the dog because we've got a dog at the office and they uh, they also um, they know exactly when their breaks are and so you think we should um, change that up a little for them. Yes, it might help them do that. You might want to have that conversation with them first. Oh, no, no, no. I'm with you. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. (laughs) Don't give them breaks. There you go. Hey, now, another thing that we were going to talk about, of course, which you started to talk about before, Sarah, is, of course, the wonderful uh, partnership with Melbourne Queer Film Festival, uh, Thorn Harbour Health and Minus 18. Now... There is, there's been a competition. It's called Keep the Vibe Alive. Now, I checked out these uh, little short films. They're only about a minute each. And now, am I right to say there's the big launch of Melbourne Queer Film Festival program tomorrow night and you're going to be announcing the winner of this short film? We certainly are. Look, we know that a lot of the, if you like, the promotion of cigarettes to the LGBTI community comes through movies. And we know that uh, what we see is this very glamorised portrayal of smoking. So we asked these filmmakers, show us how smoking can actually kill the vibe. What does kill the vibe mean for you? So the, the, the film competition is called Keep the Vibe Alive. We've got four incredibly different, really original concepts. And we've actually had arguments in the quit office over which is the best. There has been some name-calling, I'm sorry to, to sure. say, where we all disagree who's got the favourite. My favourite um, was Vibe Rater. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> uh, but also there's another one called it Fuming. Is. And look, you know, the three, uh, our guests tonight and a couple of other friends of ours have been watching these and we're all sort of a bit divided as well. So it'll be interesting to find out who actually wins that tonight. Uh, I noticed Absolutely. that in some of your material it said that viewers of movies with LGBTIQ themes are exposed to the depiction of tobacco use every 15 minutes. So to actually ask uh, some young people to make these videos uh, to say, look, you know, it's not like saying don't smoke, but it's just saying that that actually kills the vibe and they've really gone to town on this. Absolutely, and we had over 40 concepts to choose from. It's been a really tough decision to to whittle it down to four and as I said, uh, it's now been open to a popular vote and the voting has been fierce and uh, it's going to be a really interesting night tomorrow night when we unveil the winner. That sounds absolutely fantastic. So back to back to quit. What are some of the symptoms that someone's going to um, feel when they give up the fags? So people get irritable. Um, some people report having headaches. They might feel slightly dizzy. Um, might feel slightly depressed. 
These are all fairly common side effects of nicotine withdrawal and I'd encourage you to sort of go and talk to your pharmacist or your GP about getting something to help with that. Uh, hanging in there because they do tend to go, for most people, they tend to go after a couple of weeks and it gets better, you know, all the time when you sort of ease those cravings and, and ride them out. It's another example of asking for help. Uh, the quitline phone number would be 137848 from memory. That's correct, 13 quit, 137848. And I really encourage people to, to give um, the team there a call we are definitely not the quit police. No one is going to tell <laughs> you that you should quit. No one's going to lecture you. Um, and even if you don't think you're quite ready yet, you're just having a think about it, give the team a call anyway because they can just help you think out loud or start to plan. You don't have to call just because you're ready to quit. You can call just to have a chat about it. All right. All right, look, we're going to have to leave it there, but thank you so much, uh, Dr Sarah White from Quit Victoria, Quit, Quit Victoria Director. Thank you for joining us tonight on Hooked. Thank you very much. Bye. On Joy. You're listening to Hooked. So we are here tonight on Hooked and if you are wanting to know how to quit smoking um, or you've got some questions to ask our next guest, highly recommend that you contact the show tonight. You can email us on air at joy.org.au or you can SMS us on 0427 JOY949. David, Please yes. intro our guest. Well, tonight we have Ali Maffey, who is a pharmacist from Commercial Road Pharmacy. A lot of our ge- a lot of our listeners may know Ali because he's right near the Paran Market Clinic, and hopefully, a lot of people have been into his uh, pharmacy because he specialises in sexual health medication. Welcome, Ali. Good evening. It's great to have you here tonight. Thank you. Uh, here at Joy ninety four point nine. Just before, because we're going to be talking about uh, opioids tonight, and there is a reason behind that. Just before we launch into that, you were listening to Dr. Sarah White yes. talking about nicotine. What do you think about nicotine? Well, uh, it's it's a good start, you know, to, uh, to uh, quit smoking. You know, you can always go a step higher and go see your doctor and get prescription for it. But sure. I think uh, the the easiest way to start, if you if you need help you can always go on nicotine replacement therapy yeah. which comes in forms of patches uh-huh. lozenges uh, uh, chewing gums sprays there are there are lots of uh, formats of nicotine out and are there. they prescription no they are mm-hmm. over the counter so uh-huh. you don't necessarily need to see a doctor to start you know nicotine therapy now i remember there are a couple of prescription drugs though that can help people stop um, smoking? Yes. What are they? Uh, we have Ch- Champix. Yeah. And we have not mm, Zyban, which is not used as often anymore. I so think I used Zyban a number yeah. of years ago, many, yeah. many years ago, yeah. when I first all, tried to all, give up smoking, and yeah. it was a pretty psychotic thing. It is. It is. It has <laughs> very nasty side effects. <laughs> it was over the top. After about day three, I think I was ready to curl up in a coma. <laughs> I was wondering why is, you kept smoking. <laughs> no, <this> is, <laughs> but it is a heavy-duty... Uh, drug, but it is prescribed it by is. doctors, of course, and all that sort of stuff. Now, sure. look, the reason that we have you here tonight, though, mm. and um, is because last week we were talking about addiction around the world, weren't we, Russ? We certainly were. And what was the highest, uh, the, the highest addiction rate in the United States was 
uh, opioids. They were, um, which um, often resulted in, in some 53,000 overdoses per year. Now, there was uh, around about 6% in the studies up to about 2015. 6% of their population in the United States were addicted to opioids. And coming in second place, Australia. Around about 35 3.75% of what people. What are you saying, David? We're shoppers. Well, we're catching up. Mm-hmm. We're catching up. And also, it's an epidemic of baby boomers that are hooked on painkillers. Half of all drug addicts are over the age of 50, is what they're saying. Now, that's what we've got Ali here tonight for, to talk about opioids. Now, what are opioids? Well, basically, opioids are kind of first-line painkillers. They used a lot in hospitals, you know, before after surgeries or uh, to stabilize the, the patient before they do procedures. Uh, but when the patient discharges from a hospital, sometimes they have to stay on them for a bit longer so they get prescribed by the GP. I remember I had a broken knee and a broken shoulder from a motorbike accident and came home from hospital and they gave me some, I think it was Oxycontin yes. and maybe some Endone. So are these the opioids, opioids that we're talking about? Yes, yes. They are very strong painkillers. Mm. But um, saying that, you know, the coding, you know, we used to have them over the counter last year, up to last year, February 2018, and uh, which was uh, Panadin Extra or Panadin Force. Yeah, they, these Panamax, are Pan- as well. Yeah. Uh, Panamax is just a oh, plain okay. paracetamol. Yeah. So they have coding, and coding is kind of a form of, you know, opioids. And people don't know that, and they keep using it, using it, and after a while you get used to it, and then it becomes trouble. So why did they decide to remove codeine from sale? Well, it it was it, it was one of the subjects that not everyone was agreed on, but it was getting out of control, the use of codeine. So many people thought that because they can't buy it over the counter, so it's, there's no must harm okay. in it. It must be okay. But we had lots of cases of, you know, overdose with taking panadine extra. How would you overdose? Would you take a whole well, packet or the, something? Well, the thing is, um, coding is a trouble. You know, you, you get used to it. But what people don't think about is that it has paracetamol in it as well. And we all think that our oh, paracetamol is panadol. It's very safe. You can buy it from supermarket. Mm-hmm. But when you take more than eight tablets... In 24 hours, you start damaging your liver, uh, and many people end up with liver liver transplant, and it costs a lot. Hospital taxpayers money. Well, and also what it does to your health. I mean, you know, your liver is shutting down. You're not going to be doing well. How would a person feel who was addicted to um, codeine? Would they? I mean, obviously they're taking more of it because they don't want to feel like crap. So you have to take a lot of it, and Mm. then it starts giving you, you know, euphoria. Feel uh, probably happier. I don't know, but it kills the pain so usually uh, people who get used to opioid medications they have some underlying either issues you know either it's it's a psychological problem or they have like a chronic pain and it gets out of their control well i know i know look i'll I'll put it out there i had both of my hips replaced Mm. um when i was in my 40s they're looking great oh i'm I'm feeling great i'm not running any marathons but i can do things that i didn't used to be able to do i got sent home with some endone and some oxycontin and one of the things that i did notice that i 
I felt like I was very racy all the time. And and then the next thing I noticed was that as the packet was running out, I thought, oh, I better keep some of these aside for later. So I <laughs> no, can understand... I did the I exact same thing. Yeah, because I can I got understand why hospital, people like them. Yeah. And I didn't actually need them. And they get said, look, you know, here, take this little gift... It's like a little gift pack mm. home. And I'm sort of thinking psychologically, you know, because we're both in recovery. Yes. I'm sort of thinking, oh, I might need that after I start, you know, doing a little bit of running. And, you know, I might just need it for this day or might need it for that day. Or, oh, you know, there might be a day that, oh... But isn't it funny how your mind goes there? Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's certainly an addictive behavioural mind. But obviously uh, people that become addicted to these drugs... I mean, these drugs are really used primarily for pain relief. Correct. What would some of the names be of these drugs? We've talked about endone and oxycontin. What else would there be? We have uh, fentanyl, yeah. uh, which comes in the uh, patch form. We have oxycontin. We have palexia, which is a new one. We have buprenorphine, which is no span patches. Mm-hmm. So there are there are quite a few other ones. They come in the injection forms as well. But Ali, I've got a question for you. Fentanyl. There was a lot in the news in 2017. Yes. Um, 18 about fentanyl yes why is my is my question why why did people um, I, I, I I know I know the answer as far as it made people feel good yeah but why was it so accessible and why were people getting sick and really not doing so well and it took forever to take them off the um, the list didn't yeah. it? Well, I think the doctors didn't consider patches as dangerous as tablets and they were prescribed a lot I think one of you know when I look at my uh, records, you know, I used to dispense more patches five years ago compared to now. And mm. uh, I can see the doctors are a bit more hesitant, you know, to prescribing it. Before you, you went to the doctor and said, oh, I was prescribed patches and I lost my patch or I'm from another city. Mm-hmm. Easily you could get another prescription. And because the doctors didn't think you can abuse patch. But apparently they found a way to, you know, you know, to abuse it, and then it got out of control. So now we what, have fentanyl is a little bit more restricted now. Or? Yes, so uh, it, it it is still you know it was Schedule Eight medication. That's how we call them. Yeah, know, the, these are you know the medications that you have to put them somewhere safe in the pharmacy, and you have to you know be more cautious when you're dispensing it. No. Are they also recorded against a patient name each time they're prescribed yes, as well? Yes, yes, yes. Because there are certain classes so, that are done. Yeah, like that. and um, the only medications that we do extra recording is Schedule 8 medication. So uh, other than, you know, being recorded on your history or a medication history on, on your doctor's file or the pharmacy's yeah. file, we have another book that we have. We have to write it down. Who got this medication? How many they picked up? One day, which day they picked it up? Who mm-hmm. prescribed it? So there is an ex- extra coding for them as well. Now, we'll talk about that a little bit after mm-hmm. the break, but uh, who has access to that? Like, if I'm another pharmacist just down the road, could, do I know that you've been prescribing Section 8 drugs to this particular patient, or uh, is it it, like, is it all linked up together? Uh, well, it, it's getting there. So um, okay. um, we have um, Safer Group that kicked in uh, about a couple of months ago. Sure. And now we can see, you know, if, if, if you prescribe the medication by the doctor or you picked it up from another pharmacy so it's more uh, coming to real time when when when, mm. when you when you want to dispense the medication so you can see the proper history well i, I do know my doctor when i um, went and saw him recently mm. um he was asking about the, the medication that mm. i'm prescribed and he mm. said he said oh would you like some more scripts and then then apparently it flashed up on his screen oh no <laughs> we've got to wait <laughs> a little bit longer anymore. for you <laughs> we're going to talk about so that a little bit uh, 
uh, what you more. say makes sense. <laughs> we will certainly talk about that in a few moments after the break. And if you do have any questions for Ali, our pharmacist on tonight on Hooked, uh, please send a message to 0427 JOY 949 or you can talk to Robert on our reception, 1300 This is Hooked on Joy 94.9. And that is correct. You're listening to Hooked with David and Russ. Joy 94.9's program about addiction and, most importantly, recovery. Yeah, you know, if you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that causes distress, you can by all means call our friends at Lifeline on 13 11 14 or you can call Beyond Blue at 1300 22 46 36. David. We are talking to Ali, Ali Maffey from Commercial Road Pharmacy. He is a pharmacist and we're talking about uh, addiction of opioids. Isn't that right? Yes. Fentanyl we've just been talking about. How does, how does one know that one's addicted to... I mean, obviously you're agitated and you want more and more and more of well, it. Yeah. Um, what, what side effects are there? So uh, if, if, if you get addicted to some kind of morphine product, any opioid, the first signs of, you know, that shows that you, you, you got used to it and you are kind of addicted to it is the withdrawal syndrome. So mm-hmm. uh, you start getting stomach pain if you don't get the medication you know on really? time you're gonna start sweating so hold your face start you know getting wet you know, uh-huh. wet hands uh, stress you're feeling anxious you can't sleep and uh, you change off the bowel movement so you you might have like a runny stomach for two three days you know as lo- until you get the medication because opioid slows down the m- movements of your stomach uh-huh. and then when when basically when you get that away take that away from the person those movements can become like crazy because there is no control on them anymore right so uh, yeah you 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 basically can function can focus so there are lots of lots of you know symptoms that you get from you know opioid withdrawal which is not nice so if um if i had a partner and i suspected Mm -hmm. maybe that they're using one of these Mm -hmm. one of these opioids and perhaps continuing to use them to an excess how would i be able to tell that my partner was maybe affected by that style of addiction you um well drowsiness is a good indication of you know yeah but if they're drowsy all the time i probably wouldn't be able to tell (laughs) would i I'd sort of be going, oh, yeah, it seems pretty normal, <laughs> but um, what are there other telltale well, signs? It, it basically, again, uh, very, very, um, they get agitated very quickly. So, um, they don't have as much tolerance as before. When the drug wears off, they are you know, anxious. They're thinking, hey, you know, what to do, you know, what because all goes in their mind is that when can I get the next dose? So, they... Um, Basically, uh, they won't be, you know, as focused as before. Again, the, the change of the habit of, you know, going to the bathroom, uh, eating, they, they won't have as much as, appetite as, much appetite. Ap- appetite as before. Uh, not very active. Yeah, they, 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 f- 
they look a bit more depressed, less less motivated to the, know what what they were doing before. You know, if they were going for a walk every day, they're not going to do it anymore. So shopping, not, not very interested in any anything that they used to do. Not in interested general. in shopping. Well, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> well, we had a program about shopaholics. <laughs> well, we did, we did. Um, so there'd be certainly a marked uh, change in behaviour. So but, where would uh, you where would you get help for? A loved one. What would be the first port of call? Would you say, oh, you know, I might come with you to see your GP this time because clearly there's something not right here at the moment. I'd like to have some input or... Yes, correct. Correct. Yep. I think I think the best way is to have a, a health professional involved. So your GP would be the first, first place to, you know, go and get advice. And there are lots of GPs that are trained to, especially to do, um, you know, help people with addiction. Because you, you can't just stop, t- well, b- by the sounds of things, you mm. can't just stop taking fentanyl or, or mm. Oxycontin or whatever because your body's already adapted to these and yes, it sounds there correct. are massive withdrawal symptoms. There would be a lot of, you know, problems with the withdrawal. So you basically, we, we don't usually recommend, you know, to do it by yourself because there would be a bit of risk. And many people might done it before and they manage to, you know, do it by themselves. But it's, it's a lot of risk to do that. So the best is to start with with your GP and if your GP is not specialized they can always direct you to another doctor who, mm. who knows how to do it and then they refer you to the pharmacy and then you start from there. Ali, I'm curious, what would you tell somebody who who has this attitude, oh, they're just painkillers, they're not going to do anything to me? Uh, we, we had a lot of a lot of people, we had to do this discussion last year because they, the patient couldn't buy the coding from 1st of February. So we had to explain to them that maybe it was okay that, you know, you used to come, you know, in a specific you know, amount of time and buy these painkillers. But the, the problem is these are not natural products. So these are not supposed to go in your body unless you know there is a real medical reason for it so there would be lots of side effects with any medication Mm. did you get very much flack about that codeine because you know like i want my codeine and i want it now and what do you mean you're trying to tell me that i'm addicted to codeine i'm not addicted to codeine give it to me now but did you actually have to explain to people yes yes you had many cases but they were borderline yeah 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 we had we had lots of people they tried to stock you know, to have yeah. enough stock before, you know, for a while. I don't know for how long they were planning to, but we had to explain to them that this is dangerous, you know, because also coding came with another product, which was ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. So they, they knew it as Nurofen Plus and just the Nurofen by itself can damage your stomach, you know, cause stomach ulcers, uh, bleeding your body. And yeah, we had to, we had to talk to many people, many, many of them got convinced, many of them. Many of them, we felt that we're making up stories. <laughs> yeah. I have noticed uh, recently, and I find this very interesting, when you go and see your pharmacist these days, it's it's no longer just script, cash, there you go. Yes. Um, you A good pharmacist will sit there and tell the um, the customer all about the side effects and ask them what other medication they're taking. And, and actually, uh, aside from what the doctors prescribe, make sure that, that these are the right pills for the, for you to take. Is that right? Correct, yeah. correct. You know, it's it's always, especially when a, a patient is starting a new medication, especially a painkiller, it's good to explain all the side effects, explain to them what's the purpose of this medicine, how 
long you you gonna be on them uh and it's really important to not scare them off the medication so you don't want to go too far so they don't take the medicine yeah but it's good to tell them you know hey, when they take it medication they know what are the consequences and how they should take it so they won't Uh, cause trouble because yeah. the painkillers basically if when when there is an acute pain they're not going to cause addiction hmm. so it, it is it is less likely you get addicted to the medication than you know compared to the amount of people taking them you know and, and that's what i'm curious as well would, would i be correct in saying you know if you did have an acute pain and you took mm. your oxycontin and your endone i mean you Um, unless you're addicted to these drugs, you do know the side effects. You do know what it's doing to you. I mean, you, okay, so you don't feel the pain as such, but there are enough mental deficiencies. Um, you know, I, I, I know I experienced speeding at some stage where I thought, mm -hmm. you know, everything's really fast and, mm -hmm. you know, a floating sensation. I mean, it it all sounds fantastic, but you um, you can tell that there is something in this medication that's, uh, that's in QR. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. You know, uh, with, with opioids, the... the There are three uh, group of receptors in your body that uh, the opioid engage with them, and one of them is just mostly uh, gives you a euphoria. So mm. basically, uh, when you take the opioid, this this receptor gonna engage with it. You know, not doesn't matter if you if you want it or not, and that will give you a bit of euphoria effect. Right. So that's why we all we all gonna get it. You know, if you take the tablets, but yep. if you like it or not, it's a different. Sounds story. pretty interesting yeah. to me. And um, look, it's great to have you on the show talking about opioids. We're going to have a little bit of a break and then we're going to come back and talk even more. Uh, you're listening to Hooked on Joy 94.9. <laughs> This is Joy 94.9. You're listening to Hooked, Russ and Dave's program on addiction and recovery. And we've Certainly got in our LGBTI community and we've Whoa. got Ali. Yes. Yeah, what a, what a fascinating guest. Well, look, you know, it's not every day that you have a pharmacist to talk to you for about an hour <laughs> and you want him to as yeah. well. I wanted to cover, because we've been talking about opioids tonight, it is the big epidemic of the baby boomers. There are also younger people that are addicted to these opioids, yes, aren't there? Why, uh, why do you think it took the government so long to realise that this was a problem? Well, um, it, it's not just the government. So mm. we have different bodies to have to come to the to the realisation that oh, it this medication is causing trouble mm -hmm. for us. Mm. So, well, we had, we had lots of um, opinions about this. And, mm, you know, let's, let's take, for example, codeine. So there were lots of resistance to put codeine on prescription. Mm. And many people were not really fan of that decision. There are lots of health professionals, pharmacists, doctors. They thought that it's not a good idea. Mm. Well, I, to be honest with you, I, I was I was a bit skeptical about, yeah. about uh, putting coding on the prescription. I thought, oh, it's gonna, it's not gonna solve the problem, or it's not gonna help. But I believe it made made a lot of you know uh, changes. It 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 improved a lot of health professionals. 
aspects to board, you know, coding. Do you think it has also helped a number of patients that yes, perhaps yes. were hooked to the coding? Yes, they were, uh, many people were like, they were not taking it as much and maybe they didn't really have to take it, you know, because what we usually say, you know, with lots of pains that we, we get during, you know, normal daily activities like headache, sore bodies because of the, you know, when going to gym and come back, mm-hmm. you can get the same uh, painkilling effect from the plain paracetamol mm-hmm. and you don't really need to go to a higher level. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, now I wanted to ask you, we were sort of touching on it before about pharmacy shopping and yes. the, the records are changing and the way that you deal with that. Yes. You're at the coalface. Now, there is also doctor shopping, but in the end, people will do a bit of doctor shopping and get a number of prescriptions and then they're going to come to you. You might see them multiple times and start mm. to think, well, you know, what's yes. going on here? So to explain to me what happens with doctor shopping and pharmacy shopping. Yeah, so I give you a bit of idea of what was happening before. So it, before it was more based on the, you know, what we have on our record, on our individual pharmacy record mm-hmm. to figure out if this patient is going to different doctors or if this patient coming, getting, picking up this medication too often. But now uh, we have this new platform which called uh, Safe Script. So basically we can see what doctor prescribed which medication and uh, when? where did this patient picked up this? That many. Let's say if you go to the doctor and get a prescription for diazepam and uh, you go and uh, pick, pick that medication from the pharmacy around your cor- corner of your house, you know, two days later you go to another doctor and you come to my pharmacy, I can see that you've been to the doctor X, you picked it up from that pharmacy and now you're seeing another doctor. So it's more transparent now. So we don't have to rely on the pharmacist's memory or, you know, just individual pharmacy record uh, to find out if someone is abusing a medication or is trying to buy too often. Okay, well, that, that sounds like, you know, it's about time that that sort of thing's been coming on. Yeah. Now, also, I remember a couple of months back or something or other, I came in and I said to you, look, you know, i got sore legs. It's a little bit of muscle pain from running. I think I ran a little bit longer than I normally would mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. What do you think would be really good to have to relieve that muscle pain? And you said to me, oh, some Voltaren would be great. And then I said, okay, hit me up with some Voltaren. And you said, no, you can't have it. You're on prep. Oh. Are there opioids? that react with HIV antiretroviral medications or PrEP medications? No, no. Uh, opioids hardly interact with any other medicine. You know, they, they interact with lots of, you know, uh, sedatives. But yeah. uh, HIV medication, PrEP, no. It, uh, Voltaren was one of the uh, few medications that interact with PrEP which is basically non-steroidal like, steroid and um, anti-inflammatories like Voltaren or Daclofenac mm-hmm. or Nurofen, which is ibuprofen. Uh, these are the medications that compete with PrEP medication to get clear through your kidneys. So then you're going to cause uh, a bit of pressure on your kidneys. But mm, as far as I know, well, to this date, well, uh, uh, the opioids are safe with PrEP, but it's, it's a good idea to, you know, you pick up your medication from same pharmacy 
all the times because mm. they know what you're taking yes. and they can easily pick up if, if you're picking up another medicine that's going to have interaction. So I always recommend, you know, not uh, not necessarily come to my pharmacy, but if, if if you go to any pharmacy, try to stick to one doctor, one pharmacy, mm. so everyone knows what you're taking. Well, yeah, well, I, I certainly didn't have best. knowledge about yeah. that. And you were touching on that before as well, mm. Russ. But, like, you know, I had no idea. I could have just gone anywhere and gone, oh, yeah, yeah no, I'll just get some Voltar and that'll be True. great. And I wouldn't yeah. realise that yeah. I was actually doing liver yeah. damage. So, you know, it is great to, as you say, great advice to go to the same pharmacist or to somewhere where, you know, you can ask those questions yes. and that sort of thing. Now, something that um, you, I, I thought was interesting about your pharmacy is you've got a methadone program there. Yes, correct. Talk to us a little bit about that. Is 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 that a program that people who are addicted to heroin would go and, and yes. try to wane them off? Yeah, um, interesting. Heroin. We have a couple of patients that they were addicted to codeine and they are on the program. So any opi- opioid addiction will, any, any kind of uh, opioids that we can uh, offer help with with, with pharmacotherapy program basically it, we try to uh, at first we try to give the same dose as uh, what you were using equal with with with, with uh, uh, methadone or suboxone and then we slowly slowly reduce the dose until you get off of the of the program okay look it's all great information we will be putting uh, some links through on our podcast about nicotine of course and it's been great talking to dr sarah white and also ali maffey tonight his point of view on pharmacy and the opioids that we're having a good but the best advice from ali again use the same doctor year in year out and the same pharmacist pharmacist. if you can of course course. that's that's where you're going to get your help if you're addicted to something Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed tonight's show and remind you that if you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress you can call life on 13 11 14 or beyond blue on 1300 22 46 36. Now it is important to move away from self-destructive reasoning. Recovery involves breaking the cycle of addiction, moving the trigger of negative thinking and restoring us to emotional sobriety. One of the greatest highs in life is feeling good about yourself. Always remember that none of us in this world are alone and that the first step in recovery is always to ask for help. Yes, we want our community to, to be one of hope and look forward to your company next week as we continue to explore addiction on Hooked. Meanwhile, it's goodbye from Russ. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me, David. Goodbye. Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.